Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. You're listening to SENZ's Extra Time with Ben Francis here through until 9 o'clock tonight, and then from 9 to 11, it is going to be two hours of darts. We're going to be talking all things darts with the New Zealand Darts Masters in town, but we have a few other sporting topics to cover off before then, and one of them is the team I love talking about lots, even though they're not going so good, and that is the New Zealand Warriors, and to talk the Warriors with me, I've got the host of the Warriors Anonymous podcast, Gerard Cronin, on the line with me. Gerard, how are you today? Very good evening to you, mate. I am going pretty well, considering uh, the previous week's result. Uh, all things thought, uh, I think I'm pretty positive, really. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a tough one to solo, wasn't it? 48 points conceded against the Cowboys. Uh, had a few people say to me over the weekend, oh, you know, you, you got thumped by the Cowboys. And I said, oh, well, at least we weren't the West Tigers. <laughs> That's right. I mean, look, they, uh, to be fair, I actually feel like the Cowboys did leave a few points out there on the field as well, which is quite a scary thing. We could have been getting up there towards sort of Tiger sort of territory, but um, but I guess, you know, we, we just held on enough to not get completely destroyed, which is nice. I don't know about you, but do you find it hard seeing, like, we've got former Warriors players there, so Chad Townsend had his hand in a couple of tries, and so did Peter Hicker. It's always, it's always a bit hard when you see these former Warriors do this to the Warriors. Oh, very much so. And it was interesting watching our attack because, the previous week, everything we tried seemed to turn to gold against the uh, the Bulldogs. This week, we didn't quite have that same sort of impact. And it was almost as though maybe Todd Payton had held on to a, uh, an old defensive book from the Warriors and, and had a look at it and thought, oh, surely they'll run the same plays as two years ago. Uh, and it looks as though we probably were. So uh, they, they were able to read us. They were able to shut us down at our key points. And really, our attack just looked completely lackluster. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but Stacey Jones says it's all... Uh, you know, all attitude. I think it's probably a mix of attitude and uh, and structure. I think is what's going on. What do you make of his comments? He said after the game, and it's not the first time he said this this season. He said about eight or nine guys didn't look like they were playing for the jersey. Which you'd think with a guy like Stacey Jones at the helm as your interim coach, that would probably be the first thing you would do. You would know, oh, we've got this club legend here. I think most people would definitely have him top two. Some people would have him as number one, but. If he's your coach, you you should be playing for the jersey. With if he's in charge, you know what do you make of his comments? And I, I, I well, look, it's been a tough one. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough few years. Uh, and I think probably the team's probably gotten to the point where they're really looking forward to just you know ending the season, uh, finishing things off, and being able to actually just you know start again next year because it's going to be a, a real rebirth for the team, a real rebirth for the fans and the coaches. So I think there's probably an element of, you know, some guys looking towards next year. A lot of these guys who are currently in the squad, your Reese Walsh's, your Ewan Atkins, and also your Ellie Cathors, all looking to be, you know, going to greener pastures next year as well. So, so I guess there's, there's probably one... I just kind of looking at what's to go, um, you know, two to come, as they say in cricket. But um, I, I, I guess it's, it is hard. I know I'm not making, um, you know, too many excuses for them because you got to turn up. It is your job. you got to turn up and, and, you know, do what you're supposed to do. But um, I, I can understand why there would be a bit of a fall off. We saw it towards the end of last year as well. 
remember the last game we played against the Titans and we got absolutely flogged by them. So kind of hoping that we can maybe just do slightly better than that uh, this year. Uh, why did you have to remind me of that game last year? <laughs> <laughs> I can never forget that game. And uh, I'm looking forward to the rematch that's coming uh, well, in a couple of weeks' time over at Mount Smart Stadium. I want our boys to just make it really, really uncomfortable for those Titans just as a bit of payback for what happened at the end of last year. Oh, at, least at least there's no Kane Evans on the team this year, which will might make a bit of a difference. <laughs> but uh, the, the Warriors this week, they face the top of the table, Penrith Panthers, and uh, the Warriors have got their team out, and there is a couple of changes to the lineup. I see Chanel Harris-Tavita is back, which is great, so I know many fans wanted to see him kind of get a, another run before, of course, he's taking a... Well, he's not retiring. He's um, he's almost taking a sabbatical next year. And I also see uh, Josh Curran has moved into the starting lineup. He's in the second row there. Uh, Dynamis Louis is added on the bench as well. Uh, I don't think he's there next year either. Uh, and I think those are pretty much the main changes to the, the team. I see uh, Tom Alley, he's still there, which is great. Freddie Lussick's still there. Uh, what do you make of the changes to the team? Well, look, I'm happy to see Chanel Harris-Tavita come back into the lineup. I was actually hoping that he was going to be going into a different jersey, though. I really wanted him to go back to the, the fullback spot and maybe just give Reese Pretty Eyes a, either a rest or, or just you know call it a day there his Warriors career, uh, because the defensive frailties that he showed last week, they were, yeah, they they weren't great. They weren't as pretty as his eyes, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed that Chanel is not being pushed into the number one jumper um, uh, and to replace Reese because I think Uffy has actually been going reasonably well um, over the past you know little while. Uh, in terms of bringing Josh Curran into the starting lineup, it's an absolute no-brainer, and Frankly, uh, it's been a bit of a head scratcher as to why he wasn't in there for the past couple of weeks. I've been giving Stacey a bit of a bit of a doubt. Maybe Josh might have been carrying something or managing his minutes in some sort of way. Uh, but you know, we could see from that game against the Cowboys <laughs> when he lost his, uh, you know, he lost his, I guess, temper a little bit at the referee, where he, he's showing that he, he's really uh, invested in what he's doing. And he really cares about the jersey. Um, so I, I like the fact that he's in there. Uh, Probably would have hoped to get a, a start for Tom Ale, who was quite impressive last week off the bench. His numbers have been growing over the past couple of weeks, and I've I actually been quite impressed with what he's offering. So uh, another big body, or a big body, which is a, a good um, asset for the Warriors to have because they're a bit light lately. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of would have hoped he might have pushed into the starting 13 as well. But, you know, I guess we have to wait and see on game day and see what tricks Stacey might try and pull out. So if you were the coach, would you have had Chanel at fullback and then I would say Reese Walsh coming off the bench instead of Freddie Lussick? I don't know. I don't even know if I would have had Reese in the squad. Um, don't I, 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 like, I, I like him as the 14th man, but Freddie Lussick has been doing a pretty solid job for us and he offers a lot. I like the fact that he can spell Wade Egan for a you know, good period. Uh, I don't know if I would have put Reese in there at all. Um, just the yeah, based on what happened last week and, and the kind of game that we need, we can't afford to have such you know defensive breakdowns and errors at the back, uh, whereby we're just not closing anything. Basically, a line break turns straight into a try, uh, whereas you know other teams they concede line breaks and can cover it. So, um, yeah, I, I actually would have maybe put Reese out just maybe just into the, the reserve reserves uh, for this coming week at least, and, and possibly even for the Titans game. 
Yeah, it's quite a curious case. I think he's kind of. I think as the season's progressed, it almost does seem like he's kind of got one eye uh, on that move to the Broncos, which is a, a bit of a shame. But I think that just is perfectly normal for some for some players. And just looking at who they've got off contract, a couple of names jumping out. We said Dinama Saloui before. I don't think it's a surprise that he's not coming back. But uh, Dejan Arce, I think he got he fronted the media last week and he kind of said. Uh, you know, your typical cliche uh, rugby league or any kind of rugby answer, I guess, where he said, oh, you know, wait, just waiting for my manager to sort it out, you know, wait till the end of the season, blah, blah, blah. And he's off contract. And he's one guy that I think would suit. I'd like him to stay. Uh, I know he's been playing in the halves, but he has the capabilities at centre. But Jack Murchie is the other one who hasn't been offered a contract yet as far as I'm aware, and he's not in the 17 this week. Out of those two... Who would you rather them keep if they could keep one? 100% I would rather keep Dejan Asi. I think he has plenty to offer, like you mentioned, in a couple of different positions. He's got some skills that no one else on the outside has. He's got a thunderous left boot. Um, you know, against the Bulldogs, he was sending them skyward and, and you know, scraping the bottom of, uh, of satellites there with uh, some of those kicks. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would like to keep him. I know it's, it's a tough one because of the personnel that we have coming in next year. Obviously, we've still got uh, Ronald Volkman, who's injured at the moment. Um, Sean, of course, will be the half. We've also got Luke Metcalf coming, uh, Temaire Martin as well. So there's a bit of a, uh, there's going to be a balancing act in terms of how we rotate our number six. As well, we've got Dylan Walker, who can, you know, spot in there as well as required. So there's a bit of traffic going on around that number six jumper in particular. But I, yeah, I'm like you. I would like to see him stick around. I think he's got plenty of, of uh, yeah, plenty to offer the team. I like the fact that he wants to be there as well, which has you know definitely been a, a key thing to look for in players and coaches. Um, yeah, I would definitely prefer to keep Dejan on. Um, I know that Mitchy is um, you know Mitchy's put in a pretty good effort, but um, again we've got some you know cattle coming in next year with Mitch Barnett, um, uh, Marata Nukore as well um, coming into the second row to bolster those stocks. And, you know, I just feel like Murchie's probably got a few errors in him, um, especially in the Warriors setup. So I would be less disheartened if uh, he was forced to go as opposed to Dejan Asi. Two games left in the season for the Warriors. Uh, they still have a chance of finishing in that wooden spoon spot, although very unlikely, which is uh, great that they're going to avoid it. Uh, I know I'm asking you to pick this early, and... I think it's. I think for me personally, I think it's already wrapped up. So that's why I'm happy to ask it. Who is your? Who has been your player of the season at the Warriors for 2022? Oof! Now there is a question. Uh, oof! Let's see. I would probably. I would probably side with consistency. I wouldn't go with extremely amazing performances or extremely poor performances. I would look at. The guy right in the middle there, Wade Egan. Uh, he has just been a real steadying influence. His game has definitely improved from where it was at the start of the season. Um, and he's, yeah, I think he's come along really well and become such an important cog in the Warriors' wheel. So, I yeah, I would go with Wade as my um, yeah, Warriors player of the year. Uh, be interested to see how people um, place that because um, that's, yeah, that's caught, caught me off guard there. That's, Kind of just um, off the top of my head, I reckon. 
Well, you said you caught you off guard, but I think you gave the right answer because the way I see it, I think he does have it wrapped up, and that's why, as I thought, two games to go, I feel like that he is going to get there. And I guess the other thing with him as well, that he has pretty much been there most of the season, and you think of the rest of the, the key players in the Warriors, they've kind of been in and out, or they, they've had picked up injuries, so I don't think they've actually been there throughout the entire season. But uh, text three double eight double three. who do you think your Warriors player of the season is so far? I know there's two games to go, uh, but I would agree that that would be Wade Egan. Uh, look, just looking at the rest of the team, what would you be hoping to get see from the Warriors in their last two games of the season? I know there are a few guys leaving, uh, of course, some a couple staying on. But as a fan, what are you hoping you see out of them with two games left? Because you want them to finish on a high, especially as we touched on that unfortunate game last year to end the season. What do we want from them? Yeah, look, I, I'd be I'd be probably lying if I expected a heck of a lot from this game against the Panthers, based on being you know, that we're playing the Panthers uh, and also the fact that we are away. We seem to lately just transform into a, a, a New South Wales Cup level five when we're playing away from home. Whereas when we come back to Nutsnut Stadium, we get there in front of our crowd and the, the extra bit of rain and wind that puts the Aussie boys off. Um, we seem to yeah just grow a little bit when we play at home. So I won't expect much from them against the Panthers. I hope we finish strong, and I hope we really give it to the Titans uh, in that final game. Um, from the, the last two games overall, I would actually like to see a bit more progress and a bit more investment in our young guys, like Billy Amivailia, uh and Tom Ale, um, and, and Ed Coffey as well. And we've been um, you know, Ed building lately and scoring tries and doing well. And, you know, he's still got the odd era and I'm here and there, but I'd like to see the club really just say to these guys, you know, you are the future. We're going to back you. We're going to give you opportunities to succeed. Um, so I want to see those guys get given a bit more responsibility and opportunity, uh, and hopefully that they can thrive and you know get a bit of confidence as they head into the off season. Uh, mate, I know we've been talking Warriors, but I do have one uh, general NRL question uh, for you with two games to go: Broncos or Raiders? Who do you think will get that last spot in the top eight? Ooh, there we go. There's a big, big question. Uh, I, I'm good at those, mate. I'm very good at those. Yeah. Hard-hitting journalist. Um, I actually, personally for me, this is a little bit swimming against the um, the tide here, but I actually feel like the Broncos will make the top eight, and I'm more worried about either the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. Um, and, and I think that there's a potential for Raiders to sneak a spot at the expense of either the Chooks or the Bunnies, uh, just based purely on their draw that I'm looking at. Obviously, this week, the Roosters got the Storm over in Melbourne. That's going to be a tougher ask. Uh, and the Rabbitohs uh, at home against the Cowboys, who obviously they're on the table, so they're doing all right as well. So, basically, I think if either of those teams get done this week, it becomes sudden death for them the following week when the Roosters and Rabbitohs play each other. And I think that, yeah, if, if one of these teams loses this week, then I think Canberra could just sneak in there um, and, and maybe just sneak a swap. But I guess, yeah, it's, it's all to be um, determined. There's, they're going to be relying, the Raiders will be relying on the Roosters and Rabbitohs losing two games. But honestly, I think there's every chance that that could happen. It's quite interesting saying that. I think I think the Raiders are going to sneak in, personally, myself, as you say, kind of looking at the draw. 
uh, I think they will do it. Do you have a rough early uh, top eight prediction on who you think will make the final? Like the grand final? Yeah, the grand final. Uh, yeah, okay. I would probably think that I think the Panthers should be too good to get through. Um, and I also think that there is a team who's probably got a couple of shocks in them. And I actually think they might be the Parramatta Eels. Wow. I've had a, a funny little year uh, whereby at the start of the year, a lot of pundits were saying, you know, this is the year they're going to break their drought. I thought that was a little bit overrated. Uh, and then a few games back, um, there were people saying that they were going to miss the eight. And I thought that was a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit overreaction as well. But uh, I actually feel like the Eels, I mean, they've beaten both the Storm and the Panthers this year. So they've knocked them off. Um, so I actually think they've got the firepower to pull a shock and pull an upset. Uh, and I just feel like that, yeah, that they could well, they come right. They were pretty unlucky last year to lose to the Panthers in one of their knockout games. They only lost by two points. And, of course, the Panthers went on to win the Premiership. So I, I, I'm just sneakily looking at the para-eels and what they might be able to do, even though they're not a top-four side. Uh, mate, uh, I don't know what the odds are in Australia. I'm just trying to get them up now. But have you seen the uh, head-to-head odds uh, for the Warriors-Panthers game uh, this weekend at the TAB in New Zealand? I, I, have, uh, I haven't seen the, um, the New Zealand version, but I have seen the, uh, one of the Australian ones, and it wasn't great. <laughs> well, I've actually just got the Australian one up now. It's actually, it's actually worse. I, th- I thought the white odds in New Zealand were bad, but this is even worse. Jeepers. A <laughs> dollar one for the Panthers and 15 for the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, if you want to, um, if you want to, I don't know, that, that, that's, a, that's pretty enticing odds. Um, if it wasn't maybe the Warriors, you'd probably be tempted to go for it, but I guess there'll be some loyal supporters out there to, you know, go and put a couple of dollars behind them. I may not be that person, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, as I said, the TAB in New Zealand has the Warriors at $13, so that's slightly uh, slightly better, but it's, <laughs> it doesn't offer much. Uh, oh, I, I think we have to end it there after that. I'm, I'm quite upset seeing that. So, uh, Jared Cronin, thank you so much for your time this evening and uh, up, up the Warriors. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Make over the worry.